So this morning, uh, we are continuing on the second part of our exploring being with Jesus. So we've, we've looked at being with Jesus last term. We're now looking at becoming like Jesus. And today, we're looking at forgiveness. Becoming like Jesus and forgiveness. Now, there is so much that could be said on this topic that is not just a kind of a, a one Sunday morning in 25, 30 minutes kind of topic. So kind of what I want to do this morning instead is to give you a load of things as resources to kind of enable discussions in small groups for those of you that are part of them or as places for you guys to go and dig in deeper. The whole point of walking with Jesus is that we actually walk with him and someone doesn't drag us along on that journey. And so I kind of want to equip us this morning to go and delve into this further, to go and explore maybe that segment of forgiveness that Jesus is challenging us about this morning or is laying on our heart or is speaking to us in a different way. And so for those of you in small groups, there there was a, a, a small group um document, I guess, that we've pulled together for this Sunday morning, and that should be with your small group leaders, and if you would like a copy of it, feel free just to ask your small group leaders to send that through, because it's got some links to, to other places to go, it's got a prayer activity on there, it's got um, uh, Bible resources and uh, references as well, so if you do want that, please do speak with your small group leaders, if not, I'm sure we can get it on the website um, as well, if you want to go and put it off from there. So this um, this whole thing has been looking at practicing the way. We've been talking about this phrase for a long time, practicing the way, become like Jesus. And this is kind of one of the central things to this morning of forgiveness, is actually how much this is demonstrated in Jesus' life, how much this is actually demonstrated from start to finish in Scripture, although we really don't have time to go into that today, um, and how much the disciples that walked with Jesus Jesus and then the New Testament church and church that history has grappled with this. To practice the way is to become like Jesus. It is to mimic him, but more than just mimic him, more than just putting on a mask and acting, it is to let him transform us from the inside out. So looking at uh, forgiveness, a quote actually from the Practicing the Way website says this. I know this is probably quite small. For those of you in the building. Forgiveness is integral in our discipleship to Jesus. We live in a world polluted by sin and shame. And relationships in this broken world are often marked by disappointment, loss and pain. The call of God throughout the scriptures is to release those who sin against us from our personal right to collect on the moral debt for their offence. We see this embodied best in the person of Jesus himself, who, in the face of sin, chose not to look the other way, nor to pay the person back, but to deal with the sins committed against him in the most compelling way, by forgiving them. And that is kind of the basis for this morning. We want to delve into Jesus. We want to look at him as the marker, as the the leader of what that looks like as the person who demonstrated this in the most abundant, lavish way possible. And so some kind of areas I want to give us this morning and to look at, and this is why I kind of say 
I want us to really delve into this in our own walks, in our small groups and discussions going on, because there's so much to explore that this isn't going to do it justice in any shape or form. But forgiveness is a demonstrable act. It is something that we can physically see at times. It can release healing. It comes from God. He is the source. It is an action in prayer. It produces a soft heart and it disarms legalism. And I'm going to touch on all of this very briefly this morning in a sweeping overview, but release it then to you guys to have conversations around the dinner table, to have conversations in small group, to have conversations with friends and family who may maybe don't attend through counties or attend elsewhere or with your other Christian family and friends elsewhere. I want this to provoke conversation and I want this to provoke in ourselves a wrestling with God about what forgiveness means. And so some reference scriptures for you. A lot there. Uh, that is all on the document, so you'll be able to get that in small group or if you ask for it. And we're going to touch on a few of these this morning. And so I want to jump in, first of all, to Luke chapter 6, the top one, verse 27 to 36. Now, I was aware this week on the Three Counties Facebook group, there's a little bit of discussion about versions and what version you use. Now, I'm using the version that was controversially being talked about on um on Facebook. If you have an issue with it, that's okay. We're a family. There's grace. Come and talk to me afterwards or send me an email afterwards and I can tell you why I use the Passion Translation. But here we go. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat and harass you, accept it as your mission to pray for them. To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them. If someone takes away your coat, give him as a gift your shirt as well. When someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. When things are wrongly taken from you, do not demand they be given back. The way you want others to treat you is how you should treat everyone else. Are you really showing true love by loving only those who love you? Even those who don't know God will do that. Are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do good deeds to you? Even those who don't know God will do that. If you lend money only to those who you know will repay you, what credit is that to your character? Even those who don't know God do that. Rather, love your enemies and continue to treat them well. When you, when you lend money, don't despair if you are never paid back, for it is not lost. You will receive a rich reward and you will be known as ch- true children of the Most High God, having his same nature. Be like your father who is famous for his kindness to heal, even the thankless and cruel. Overflow with mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. That's Quite a nice little thing to hear. I'm aware that lots of us have probably heard this, not growing up in a Christian household. I even heard this at school. Love your enemies. And I think 
it sounds really quite nice. It sounds really quite simple. Oh, love your enemies. But when you're actually in it, when you have your enemies, that's where it becomes the test. That's where it becomes the trial. That's when it becomes the thing that feels like the worst possible thing you can do. That's when it, it takes every ounce of you to even contemplate not smacking them in the face or whatever it might be. To actually love the person in the face of your pain and your hurt. That is where the challenge is. And it's a concept that is explored throughout scripture. And it's a concept uh, and narrative from start to finish that extends well beyond the gospel of Luke. We read from Luke there and Luke's writing in general into all the gospels, into the New Testament writings and the Old Testament writings. It is the same God. And the the idea of loving your enemy also extends beyond the the kind of concepts of grace and forgiveness. And particularly so in the examples that Jesus gives and the way in which he talks about forgiveness across the Gospels. He gives real life examples to those that he walked with, to those that he spoke with. And it explores the very nature of God throughout scripture. It explores that this at the heart of who he is, of grace, of forgiveness, of love, and what that means. And Jesus goes on to demonstrate that. And we see that in Jesus, we see that in Holy Spirit, we see that in the Father. And that is where we can then begin to build our theology and our understanding around forgiveness. And particularly if we just look at the Gospel of Luke and his writing into Acts as well. Some people argue it was just the same document in one continuation. You see this continuing development around the theme of forgiveness. Luke kind of champions this theme more than necessarily any of the other Gospel writers. And you see this in the parallel. Luke is the only writer to talk about Jesus forgiving on the cross And then we see him in Acts talking about Stephen forgiving as Stephen is stoned to death. And we'll touch on that very briefly a little bit later. We also see in scripture this verse. Uh, There's the, the kind of full chunk of it, Matthew 18, 21 to 35. But I just want to draw this bit where Peter comes and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. There are some theologians that argue that Peter was actually saying as many as seven times in one day. So Peter already was being generous in his, uh, in his offering of forgiveness. But Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or in some translations, 70 times, seven times. And this was a concept that wasn't a legalistic number. It wasn't, okay, you need to, once you hit 77 times, that's it, you're done forgiving him. It was a concept that uh, was talking about limitless forgiveness. It was an understanding around the numbers and what the numbers meant to the Jewish people. It was limitless. It was infinite. This was about infinite, limitless forgiveness. It wasn't about one, um, one event, one thing done, and that's it. And then the parable that Jesus goes on to tell continues to kind of uh, assert that very principle. So if you continue to read in Matthew, you'll, you'll go on to see that. And he, it really is strongly encouraging the listener to maintain a soft heart that is ready and willing to extend the same grace, love, kindness, mercy, forgiveness that they experience onto another. It's the, the story of the debtor and the, the servant and they, you know, they, they owe all that money. 
and then they go out and they see someone that owes them money and they shove them in jail. It's that parable. It's that story. And Jesus is encouraging us to maintain a humble heart and an attitude of forgiveness. And so this morning, the passage I really want to explore this through um, is the Good Samaritan. Now, you might be sat there going, how on earth is this Good Samaritan related to forgiveness? How on earth is this going to relate? And hopefully we will very briefly touch on that and explore. So just then, a religious scholar start, uh, stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. Doctrines. He posed this question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, What do you read in the law? How do you understand it? The religious scholar answered, It states you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, that is correct, now go and do exactly that and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you, what do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, there was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stopped, he stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me, which one of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor? The religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, go and do the same as he Oh, I managed to miss that bit off. The Good Samaritan is an example of love your enemy. It is an example of forgiveness. And if you understand culturally, the Jews and the Samaritans were so opposed to one another, they were literal enemies. You saw one another, you avoided one another. There were there was abuse, there was violence. It generally was, a, a, well, probably a state of enemy that, many of us might not even be able to relate to. And now this parable is told exclusively by Luke, and he continues, I believe, this narrative that he set up, developing love, grace, and forgiveness. So how does it fit with forgiveness? Well, it's showing about breaking down barriers. It's breaking down walls that we can erect through unforgiveness, through bitterness. Why is it fit? Well, forgiveness isn't then just an attitude, but is often, and this is the first point I mentioned earlier, a demonstrable act. It's attached to an act. Now, that act might simply be living at peace with a person, but that act might also be stopping and loving, tending to wounds, whatever that might look like. He's extended kindness as an act of forgiveness. 
loving someone who has narratively been set up to be his enemy or to be someone who is in opposition to him. Now, I want us to, to, to pause. This is, we're kind of two-thirds of the way through, and I have a, a, a long clip for us to watch. Now, for those of you who are streaming at home, we're going to be putting up a um, slide because we can't show this, the clip via stream, but hopefully in the chat on Facebook and YouTube, you'll be able to see the link and the details of where to go in the video to watch the clip. But for those of us in the building, I want us to watch this clip, and it's taken from a series called The Chosen. Many of you might have heard of it. Um, And it's from the start of uh, series two, and they're talking around this uh, parable that Jesus has just told of the Good Samaritan. And uh, I'm not going to spoil it, because I want this to, to really land home, and then I'll briefly unpack it afterwards. So can we have the first clip, please? Well, there we have a depiction of it from the other side, from the the people that beat the man. And the reason I love that is I think it demonstrates the heart of Jesus. Jesus told stories. Where did he get these stories from? Well, he probably got them from genuine people, people who existed that he interacted with. And what I love about the stories we read in scripture and the life of Jesus that we see is that forgiveness can be the catalyst for transformation. And in the life of that man, I know it's, it's adding suggestion to that. We don't read that inscription, but it's suggesting that that encounter with Jesus was the catalyst for transformation. The thing that had gripped him and haunted him about that moment was peace was brought into. And I think we see this most clearly through Jesus dying on the cross. We read in Luke, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus forgave in his final breaths. He was being murdered on that cross and he still chose to forgave. Now interestingly, there are a number of kind of Greek manuscripts that absolutely omit that forgiveness verse. And they completely omit that from uh, that section of Luke. And it's in the Aramaic text that we see the Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And the reason why I think that's important is because we then see the same sentiment of forgiveness echoed again in the account of Stephen's stoning found in Acts chapter 7 verse 60. Stephen says, our Lord don't hold this sin against them. This book is also authored by Luke, so it's kind of a continuation of those same themes. And we can kind of gather this kind of picture that Luke is building of forgiveness, of what it means to be Jesus on the cross, what it means to be Stephen being stoned, and what it means for us as disciples of the way to keep living in that forgiveness. I think it shows something of a different reality to that of an earthly perspective that both Jesus and Stephen saw. In fact, in the account of Stephen's stoning, we see the, the kind of the thing that got him killed was he looked up and he saw heaven, he saw Jesus, he saw the Son of Man, and he spoke it out. He had this kind of open vision, and that was what got him killed. 
He was literally seeing a different reality, a different perspective, and that is what got him killed from an earthly perspective. Yet in the process of that, he chose to embody Jesus and his example, literally embody the example of forgiveness at that final moment and live like Jesus, become like and minister forgiveness in his final breath. We see Jesus release healing through his forgiveness that made a way for us to have a life of relationship and intimacy with himself, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. There is this full salvation offered to us of healing to our body, to our soul, to our spirit, physical healing, deliverance, transformation and renewing of the mind, the fruits of the spirit. But likewise in Stephen's death and releasing of forgiveness, I believe, one, he was released into the fullest state of healing that there could be as he entered into God's presence. But he also released, I believe, a softening for those participating or watching. What do we read in the very next verse at the start of chapter 8? We read that Saul, a man later become Paul, approved of this, that he was literally there and watched this. So he watched Stephen's final breath release forgiveness for all of those involved. And as Stephen, or just before Stephen dies, he gives this speech. He gives this long speech of kind of from right from the start to where they were then and is challenging those listening. And I think it's really interesting to then look at Paul's life and particularly those, those earlier parts of his transformation where I think we actually see the challenge, the message and the themes of Stephen's final speech, the bit before he was stoned, play out in Paul's own journey of faith his own understanding of the way, and then explored in his own wrestling of faith. And then later, in in Acts, when we see Paul teaching, and later in his letters, I think we then see the very thing that Stephen was talking about, some of those very messages replicated in Paul's teaching. Now, if that doesn't show what forgiveness can release, I I don't know what else can as well. That we see it in terms of Jesus' life with all of us, and we see it in a very particular instance of Stephen's final breath, I believe, having such a catalyst for transformation in Paul's own life. Yes, we know the road to, um, on, the, on the road to Damascus, but what came before? There came this moment of forgiveness. And I think so too often in our Christian walks, and I know I'm guilty of this, we can think of those really big moments, but what was it that preceded those big moments? How did God prepare the way in our own hearts, in our own lives, for that big moment to then have an impact, for that big moment to last with us, for that healing, for that deliverance, whatever it might be, to make such a difference and an impact to us that it was more than just oh, my leg's healed, or whatever it might be, but it has an impact that goes on to change countless other lives. Think of the legacy of Paul. Think of the legacy of Stephen. Stephen, I believe, in his forgiveness, released the opportunity to soften hearts, released the opportunity to question as well, and question from a worldly perspective where we might look at it and go, How on earth could this man being killed, how on earth could Jesus on the cross, Stephen being stoned, forgive the very people that were doing it? Well, it's because I believe they saw a different perspective. 
I'm not going to dwell too much now on any of the other passages. I'm aware of time. But I just want to to draw us in, uh, as I'm I'm coming to a close, this idea that connection and intimacy breeds likeness. That it's by being with Jesus that we can become like him. If I spend two or three years away from Alice, I'm not really going to know at all what she's like. A lot can have happened to her in those two or three years. I might know her, but I haven't spent time with her. And that is it with our relationship with Jesus. We might know him, but are we spending time with him? Because it's through spending time that his likeness is bred into us, that we become like him, we can remain like him, and we can demonstrate forgiveness in this powerful way of embodying the good news. Just as Jesus embodied it, just as he was it, we can embody him here today. And we see that, As I say, I'm not going to linger on this at all, but just to point you guys to that bit in Matthew, um, in your further discussions, in your further reading, that bit, forgive us the wrongs we have done. And later, and when we pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others. We see that echoed in Jesus' teaching around prayer in and of itself, that it is an action, it's a part of prayer to forgive, to send away the results of our debts and our shortcomings, that metaphor for sin. Give us serenity as we also allow others serenity. As you pray, release forgiveness. When you pray, make sure you forgive. It's a transaction. It's an action that is then best done with God, being with him. He provides the strength. He provides the source of that because he had to embody it himself. He literally lived that forgiveness journey himself. So if we struggle with forgiveness, whether it's forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others, forgiveness of God even, we might be wrapped up inside blaming God for something. If we struggle with that, the very best place we can go is to him because he understands. He will sit around afar with us and he'll talk it out. He'll sit around the fire with us and tell us, I know, it's okay, I know. Let's have this conversation. Let's have this conversation. So I will jump on a bit. Practicing the way to become like Jesus. We read in Proverbs 3, as I draw things into a close, verses 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. By us living a life with Jesus, it disarms um, legalism and religion in us because it is an invitation into relationship in and of itself. And as we receive forgiveness, it disarms anything in us that is trying to erect a rules and regiments, trying to almost erect a judgment within us. Because we all come from our own perspectives, we all come from our own walks, we all have our own opinions on things. That's okay. That's what it means to be human. We will form our own opinions. But at the end of the day, what is it that God thinks about a situation? And taking us back to that clip that we just watched... The guy Malik, he was a Samaritan who had been waiting on that road and he was the one that attacked the Jew that we read about in the Good Samaritan story. Now, if you know anything about the other disciples, you had zealots in there. You had people that absolutely hated. Um, if you've watched The Chosen, you'll see how they interact with one another as well, their faults uh, and their 
quirkiness as well. But one of the things that pretty much united them all was their hatred for Samaritans. And we see that in scripture when they don't want to go to Samaria, when they're like, Jesus, what are you doing here? Why are we here? You see that written in scripture. And so there you have Jesus bridging, literally bridging the gap. And offering and demonstrating that forgiveness that I think not only affected that Samaritan that we saw in that clip, but also the disciples because it showed a different way of living. It showed a different way of being that we can forgive. We can love our enemies. We can extend grace. We can extend kindness. So forgiveness. I've absolutely whittled my way through this. I'm aware I've not lingered on any of this stuff at all. But this is what I wanted to do this morning, to provoke questions, to provoke conversation, to provoke thinking of actually what forgiveness can be, what loving your enemy might actually look like. An act that can release healing, that comes from God, is an action in prayer. It can produce a soft heart and it can disarm legalism. So just before I hand back to to Alice and the band leading us in communion and worship, I want to finish with just one more clip. It's a minute and 30. Uh, So again, those on the stream, you should see it in in the chat. But I just want to show what that forgiveness in and of itself can unlock, how it can release... Um, healing, how it can release transformation. It can be that catalyst for transformation.